Welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1885 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western Silverado. One minute of screen time per episode. Enough of that voice. I'm Brett Stillo. You might know me from such podcasts. Well, they all, they all have the word minutes in them for some reason. There's five minutes of trouble. I did that. Five minutes of bonsai. I did that one too. And 12 chimes, it's midnight. Uh, I guess there's no minutes in that. But uh, anyway, but uh, with me, as always, is the man who first gave me my big break in podcasting way back in 1936, writer, director, voice actor, and all-around great guy, Mr. Josh Horowitz. Hello, Josh. Hello, Brett. Now, now you had a good intro there. I don't know if I can top that one. Well, <laughs> after your intro yesterday, I, I did my homework. I stayed up all night uh, and really worked on it. I underlined certain words. Uh, but yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be back in the saddle for a second episode. Right, right. Yeah, much much to talk about. And uh, today we we have our first guests of the week, which I'm really honestly excited about. Uh, so today, I'd like to introduce you. Uh, they are the creators of a really great new podcast called Retrophilia. Uh, please welcome back an old friend of ours, Audra Wolfman, and her co-host, Mr. Raymond Wiley. Uh, hello. Hello. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, tell us what is retrophilia? Who is retrophilia? Why is retrophilia? <laughs> well, uh, retrophilia is an anthology podcast where we talk about awesome stuff from the past. Like this season, we're talking about the 1990s and uh, we're, we're retro and we're philia. I remember <laughs> the 90s. Do you remember the 90s? Because I actually I do. don't, which is oh, no. <laughs> makes the show really difficult. I'm constantly having to, like, stab Audra with my elbow to try to, no, no, you were there. Remember. <laughs> Jostle my brain. Remember. Remember. I blocked it out. <laughs> there, there was a lot of stuff in the 90s to block oh, Although out. I found some sassy magazines here in, at, at, at my childhood home. And uh, I think we should use those. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Sassy. Well, you know, they say if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. Uh, but unfortunately, <laughs> with the 90s, it's sort of like you can't, sometimes you just can't help it. So, <laughs> and 10 episodes later, here we are. So. What are a few of the episode, uh, the subjects you've done? Oh, yeah. Well, we let off with a um, timeline of 1991, just so, you know, that whole the year grunge broke narrative. We kind of got that mm-hmm. out of the way and uh, <laughs> right off the bat. And then episodes since then, we've been trying to cover a, a wide range of topics, not just from that classic grunge period, uh, stuff like goth kids and erotic mm-hmm. thrillers. And mm-hmm. um, most recently uh, a episode about the lost children of Rockdale County, which was a uh, suburban uh, syphilis outbreak that happened right before the Atlanta Olympics in 1996. Ooh. Doesn't so. that sound fun? Don't you want to listen to that? <laughs> it, it sounds more like something that would have happened in 1896. Ooh. Mm. 
clever. Is that segue. a transition? Could be a bit of a okay. segue, but look, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> real quick though, where where might uh, avid listeners uh, get to, to get to hear Retrophilia? Well, you can find us on iTunes and uh, all the other podcast places. So look in the places. And uh, we're also on Facebook, Retrophilia Podcast, and we're on Instagram as well. Okay, exciting, exciting. Let, let me, uh, I'll ask you right now, Silverado. What's your What's your guy's take on Silverados before we get into it? Uh, way too big for me to drive. <laughs> like, I'm used to a subcompact. Um, I, you know, I, I had I one as a loner uh, a couple of weeks ago. Honestly, I did. I've driven. I have driven a Silverado, dun, 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 dun. like sixty thousand, <laughs> seventy thousand dollars for you to not be able to make a, an accurate turn. That's <laughs> that's the. Uh, so if you're a redneck, you'll love that. You'll love it. But if you're like me, you'll you'll want your your Chevy Bolt back, even Uh-oh. though it's going to burn mm. your house down. Brett, so. we we got to get the Reels and Wheels guys on. Yeah. <laughs> talk Silverado. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk Silverado. Exactly. But no, Except all, you're all, going to talk about horses. Right. All, all kidding aside, I had not seen Silverado before today, and uh, I have seen hundreds, seemingly hundreds of Westerns over the years. And so I've got a lot to say and a lot okay. to compare to with other Westerns from other periods. So. Nice. Excellent. Well, I remember Silverado coming out uh, in the theaters, but I never saw it, which is like crazy because Kevin Klein's in it. And I think my mom had a big crush on Kevin Klein because we saw A Fish Called Wanda mm-hmm. over and over and over. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I also saw it for the first time um, to prepare for this podcast and loved it. I'm just so excited about the actors in this movie. Like Jeff Goldblum? I mean, come on. How come I never saw this before? Right. That's right. Oh, we're going to have to talk about Jeff Goldblum, even though yes. he's not in our minutes. Maybe even maybe even warm fire up the Goldblum-ometer, which That's we used right. on Five Minutes of Bonsai. But uh, <laughs> one actor we're going to see today in this minute is Mr. Brian Dennehy, the late, yes. great Mr. Brian Dennehy. And uh, minute 12 begins with Brian Dennehy spelling the letters D-E-N and ends with a snide canine inquiry Mm. (laughs) so yes and uh really you know it's it's a bit of a carryover we first you know in minute 11 we get a great dramatic you know an an off-screen we hear brian denny's voice and then we see this big looming figure in a long coat he looks like he's made of granite and he's got that smile (laughs) and it's Cobb. Played by Brian Dennehy. That's right. And for you kids who do not know who Brian Dennehy is, he's probably best known for his role in the Rambo movie First Blood, which actually didn't have the name Rambo in it. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, he, he played the, the sort of mean sheriff in that one, uh, as well as other yeah. 80s films like Cocoon, FX, Presumed Innocent. And uh, more recently, he was in uh, the Pixar movie Ratatouille. He played Remy the Rat's father, Django. Uh, and then uh, aside from that, he, he has a pretty good stage career, too. Um, he won a Golden Globe Award for his role as Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman. That was a TV role, but he did do some stage acting and uh, kept doing it until his death in 2020. So he lived a pretty long life. Yeah. Having to go uh, over having to go over this minute over and over again with Brian Dennehy, it it really felt like that scene in the police car at the beginning of First Blood. Where he's, you can tell he's going to be the baddie. 
Yeah. You, you know, but he's restrained and he's got a smile on his face. And, you know, you can tell that they probably watched First Blood. I mean, amongst all these other things you just mentioned to, when they cast him for this part, because it's, it's very much the, in many ways the same kind of character. Hmm. So, yeah. It's I, his I town. So, it's his yeah. town, yeah. I would add to that, I feel like he's, he's embracing it more. You could, I could picture Brian Hennehy, you know, saying, oh, you want to play another evil sheriff again, you know, but he's sort of like, I'm going to, you know, I'm a, I'm a happy-go-lucky evil sheriff. It's, it's, he seemed to really enjoy uh, being this character and, you know, wearing the hat and everything like that, playing cowboy. Yeah, yeah, he does seem to sort of like chew up the frame a little bit. Like he comes in, he just slides in, you know. He seems to truly enjoy playing the role. I mean, he yeah. just comes across to me as, as a very friendly and jovial character with that hint of menace. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Just like, around don't the trust surface. that guy. Yeah, but he's, he's never over the top about it, though. You know, he's like, oh, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that is that is the dynamic that is introduced here between Payton and Cobb. And, you know, we have these these wonderful little bits throughout this minute that, that establishes they are old acquaintances. I mean, you know, there's. Uh, it takes Kevin Klein about 15 minutes of staring before he finally says, "Hello, Cobb." <laughs> and um, you know, it's these two characters. They were, you know, we learn more and more. You know, they were pals, and now they aren't pals anymore. And like, yeah, I think maybe Cobb is genuinely happy to see Peyton. Hmm. He's luring him back to the dark side. I think so. Well, he, he so. knows he was part of his crew at one point, or at least yeah. we'll try to find that out. So, you know, one thing that struck me watching this was that uh, for as the big of the as big of the names are in this film, right? It could could have really used a better transfer. You know, I don't. I was watching on Netflix. I know a lot of you guys probably were too, um, and. You know, this this could really use, uh, you know, just because it got like an Academy Award nomination for Best Sound. That didn't really come through in the 5.1 mix. And it was a bit soft. Like it seemed like it needed some restoration work. Hmm. Is there a 4K version out there? Uh, no, no. That, yeah. that Netflix 1080 version is the only one. There is a Blu-ray version, but I think it's uh, maybe not U.S. region specific. It might be a, it might be a French blu-ray or something like that the french they always appreciate us more than we appreciate ourselves that's it especially (laughs) when we forget to buy region free blu-ray players so that's a really yeah it's a really good point i mean this movie is beautifully shot there's some great Mm -hmm. scenes in the movie but yeah watching it via streaming yeah i I think at one point it did occur to me yeah this, this sort of looks like it was taken from a video cassette you know it's a little little blocky little little flat Right, mm. and that's not what you want from the film, honestly, because it's you know it's Lawrence Kasdan, who I'm sure y'all probably talked about in the early episodes, and you know he this is a big budget film, and if we're gonna make a sort of uh, very traditional style western, right? This is not a sort of post western movie. This is not mm. like Unforgiven or something like that, mm. and. What's what's the big advantage of doing it in 1985 is that you've got much better 35 millimeter film stock to get this outdoor environment and to get this Western environment with. And I'm sure it came across that way in theaters, but I just don't think we're getting that in, mm. in the home streaming release. So 
Anyways, sorry for belly aching, but no, no, you're you're right. This is an honest to god western. It's it's traditional, and it's just sort of updated with with these really committed actors. Yeah, it's interesting you you mentioned the movie Unforgiven because that that was kind of the first. I would say Western movie, I remember actually going into a theater and seeing, like consciously knowing, I want to go see a Western. And that one has a much different feel from this one. This mm-hmm. is your sort of more optimistic, traditional, as, as Brett was saying in a previous episode, like a 1930s Western. Correct. And I don't think a movie like this had really been made in at least five or 10 years at this, by the point it was released in 85. And then certainly I don't think there's really been another Western like this. Since hmm. this is almost the last, you could almost call this, I won't say the last Western because, you know, they still make Westerns today like Taylor Sheridan and stuff and all that. But um, this is really sort of like if if you like movies like, and, and God help you if you do, but if you like movies like McClintock and things like that, <laughs> you know, this is, this is, it has a little bit of that, it, that fun in it. Um, and... Hmm. I, I don't Freeman, think they made it, movies like this after that. Any Western made after this is is either grittier or it has more of a um, more of a sort of a post Western feel. So, hmm. I disagree because uh, the following year, Three Amigos came out. Okay, fair. <laughs> yeah, right. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, you know. a sweater. That's a great western. A plethora of piñatas. A plethora. <laughs> wow. A plethora of piñatas. I cannot go on. <laughs> I need to take a nap. That was so cool. Uh, the last uh, like western that I should have seen, but had not seen ever seen before that I had watched for the first time was about a year ago. I had watched wild bunch and mm. boy, are these two, is this movie different from oh, wild bunch? You know, I'm so glad you brought up the wild bunch because when I watched this movie in preparation for this podcast, uh, yeah. One thing that occurred to me is, yeah, you have these, these very heavy, Westerns in the late sixties, early seventies that are almost, you know, it's like it's over and the Western is a lie and forget about it, man. And yeah, I think no Western says that better than the wild bunch. And that's a movie where you have like these four very colorful individuals who are part of this gang. And you know, that movie ends with their destruction. Uh, Hmm. This movie coincidentally has four larger than life, colorful characters. You see them come together and uh, so I just thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, there's two movies about this gang of cowboys and a teach a quartet. It's, maybe it's a connection to the Beatles. I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, you know, you have the Wild Bunch and what those four meant. And then you have Silverado and these other four guys. And interesting to compare and contrast. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Well, listen, back to the minute here, I wanted to just point out uh, a scene that happens right after Cobb starts talking. Uh, you notice how everybody's wearing hats? I mean, yeah. I know that that's a staple of kind of just Western, you know, the old West in general and probably Western movies too. I mean, the, it's it's very apparent that Kevin Klein is not wearing a hat. I guess the horse isn't wearing a hat either. Uh, but <laughs> it yet. just, it makes him really stand out. And we're, we're going to be talking about uh, sort of clothing and hats and, and I mean, he's things. basically naked by those time, by the standards of those times. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. 
It would have been so scandalous for a guy to be out in public in his underwear like that. Yeah, all he's missing is a barrel. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> you notice that Kevin Klein's wearing the black hat in this movie, and uh, Brian Dennehy's mm-hmm. wearing the, uh, I don't know, the sort of beige, I guess. Ah. The hat. beige hat. Yeah. So, little, little uh, you know, sort of flipping things around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, sub- subverting expectations like Kathleen Kennedy. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think there there's a scene later where there isn't there a horse that does wear a hat yeah. <laughs> in later minutes? Yeah, yeah I believe Jake's is. Jake's horse uh what wears the hat because it's <laughs> actually the hat does belong to Jake's horse in the first place. <laughs> so. Apparently that was thought up just right on set. <laughs> And Kasdan was like, okay, go with that. Let's roll with that. Let's roll with that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, but, I mean, we do have uh, Peyton in his long underwear, a a great Western movie trope, uh, just having a guy run around in his long johns. But what do we know about long johns, Josh? Long johns. Yes, well, I did look this up. And uh, long johns, which are also known as long or thermal underwear, Uh, commonly worn by people under their clothes in cold countries. And according to Wikipedia, the source of all knowledge, it seems, uh, (laughs) the term may come from the place where the underwear was created, which is John Smedley's Lay Mills in Derbyshire, England. And uh, according to uh, that company, they claim to have invented this garment, which was named after the 19th century heavyweight boxer John L. Sullivan, thus the Johns. Uh, (laughs) Though... Others claim that the term could be an approximation of the French long jambe, which translates to long legs. And uh, I've only really worn these when I've gone skiing. Uh, <laughs> have you guys uh, worn long johns ever? Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, when I went, I was studying in London and it was snowing and I'm, I'm from, you know, California. So I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a wimp. I had to have long johns on. But, mm-hmm. but actually... You know, they, they would have called that a union suit at the time. Ah. And, Not um, down here. <laughs> <laughs> they call it a Yankee Traitors. suit down there. <laughs> Doesn't get that cold down here. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, as far as I know, the union suit was invented before the Long John, before it was called the Long John. Hmm. Um, from what I read, and it was actually created for women, and and they were calling it a liberty suit or an emancipation suit. Wow! Oh. <laughs> and it was to free them from all the <laughs> corsets and and tight lacing that they had to wear. And it was sort of like you know, okay, you know, ha- have some freedom. You can you can wear this under your heavy dress instead. Um, but also huh. for men and women, I think it was to 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 keep their clothes fresher longer because think about guys in the west wearing the same thing every day <laughs> sweating the you know the once a week having a bath on saturday if they're lucky if they're right lucky. yeah danny glover hasn't had a bath or a drink of whiskey in 10 days <laughs> <laughs> very true they go well together actually yeah and that's underwear corner. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. And that's your Long John's Minute. Your that's Long right. John's Minute. You guys remember the movie where uh, John Wayne, you get to see him in his Long John's? You remember? Uh, what, yeah, Big I Jake, the, sh- the shower scene in Big Jake. 
I have not seen Big Jake. It's a, it's terrible. It's yeah. It was, so. it's, it was a bat jack. It was, it was a bat jack. Yes. Yeah. Hey, now I know I'm not talking to another Western fan if you know what that is. So. Yeah, because it's an, if you know this, the bat jacks. You know, yeah, they were produced by Wayne. It was really an excuse for him and his friends to hang out, do a Western. He would always hire old friends, and they tended to be yeah silly. It was, it was like laughing with horses. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So Big Jake is like him trying to do the Wild Bunch or something like that, and just not really. He should have just hired Don Siegel, you know. <laughs> so, oh. um, well, didn't Don? If I'm not mistaken, didn't Don Siegel direct a shooter? He did. He did. And then we talked about Unforgiven earlier, and that's dedicated. If you at the end of the movie or at the beginning of the movie, it's just to Don, and that is for Don Siegel because I think he had just died when Unforgiven mm. came yeah, that's right. out. You know, this so great, great mentor to Clint Eastwood. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's weird that I like these sorts of films so much because the the sort of cultural outlook of a lot of the people making these movies is not my own. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I. I I am not as I'm. I'm not the, ki- the type of guy to be yelling at the empty chair. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, Silverado is. You know, it comes out in '85. It's it's trying to do a lot. To it's trying to bring back the western and bring back. You know, introduce the western to a new generation. And you know, there's a lot of you know iconic things. There's a lot of tropes, uh, but it's it's all kind of broad. You know, like where is Silverado? You know, you you get a sense it's maybe a territory, but you don't know when or where. I wanted to look uh, it up on the map. I, yeah. I thought, oh, is this a place I haven't heard of? I did I did want to look it up on the map. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like the title Silverado is sort of a, you know, it's a, it's, uh, you know, it's a magical place almost. It sounds like El Dorado. El Dorado, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I, Brett, on this point of bringing back the Western for to a new generation in 85, like, mm-hmm. watching this movie, I, that was my big question, and I'm sure it was the big question for a lot of people at the time, was, who's asking for this movie in 1985? Nobody. <laughs> yeah. You know? But, you know, who I think <laughs> is really asking for this movie are filmmakers. Uh, you have... Ebert, Ebert loved it. It, what, uh, Roger Ebert loved it. Robert Ebert loved it. Yeah. And hmm. was Siskel like, Siskel was probably lukewarm on it. Or that issue <laughs> it. As um, per usual. I mean, there, you know, I think there were fans who wanted to see a return to Westerns. But I think what's interesting is, in a sense, Westerns were being made uh, in, in almost a, a subversive or, or covert way. Uh, I mean, Josh, you know, Big Trouble in Little China, as, as we both know, was originally written as a straight-up Western. That's right. It was going to be a Western. Yeah. yeah. It was going to take place in Gold Rush, San Francisco. Wiley and Prescott. Wiley Prescott. <laughs> yeah. That, that name Jack really Burton. needs to be in a script. Yeah. yeah. Better name than Jack Burton is Wiley Prescott. But, hmm. uh, you know, I know that, like, from, you know, reading interviews with the directors at this time, like Carpenter, you know, they, they really wanted to make a classic Western, you know, hmm. especially a guy like Carpenter. You know, he loves Rio Bravo. So, but, you know, they were just running into the studios. They were like, those things are expensive and uh uh-uh. Yeah, you really got the sense that Lawrence Kasdan had just been so successful with Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi that they would give him $20 million to do this. Yeah. Hmm. It's like, okay, fine. You're cashing in all your karma credit for this, but go for it. Right. And it actually did turn a profit. So It didn't do what I think 
Kasdan was was gambling on, and that was open the doors wide open. But I mean, you know, westerns did start to trickle out after that, and you know, like there's pretty much between, uh, you know, there's almost no big studio westerns between like Outlaw Josie Wales in '76 and Silverado in '85. What about Lone Wolf McQuaid? Well, How there you go. Lone Wolf McQuaid, now we're talking. <laughs> I've been lobbying for a Lone Wolf McQuaid minute for years. But, I mean, there's another example of, you know, a filmmaker who really wants to make a spaghetti western. But, you know, you have to disguise it. You, you throw in trucks and Uzis and... Uh, you know, it becomes a, a modern-day Western. I mean, look at 48 Hours. That's a Western. Sure. Uh, sure. First Blood, which we mentioned. I mean, that's like a Western. You know, you had these very kind of Western setups and Western themes, but they were they were being disguised. And even, you know, it's science fiction. I mean, uh, Outland, mm-hmm. which was blatantly called High Noon in Space. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I think the studios were just sort of almost afraid, if you will, of, like, getting out in the, Wait, we got to rent horses? Right. We got to go on a location. Uh-uh. Right. And the most famous cowboy in the world at this point is not making cowboy movies. Clint Eastwood, right? Because right. That, that year he did. Well, Bill Ryder? Yeah. Bill Ryder, he made uh, Pill Ryder in 85? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Pill Ryder, Ryder wow. comes out, yeah, a couple of weeks prior. He should have used Silver better Ryder. film stock. Because <laughs> 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 that, that movie does not look like 1985. I've seen Pell Ryder many times, but you, you guys just schooled me. <laughs> so, Oops, um, but I, I did want to mention some other movies Eastwood was making at this time, like uh, White Hunter Black Heart and Bird and other things, where he was really exploring other interests, mostly that he had at this time, besides Pell Ryder. I imagine Pell Ryder probably didn't do as well as this movie. Did it? No, I don't hmm. think so. And yeah, I th- yeah, I think he would. You know, in a way, you could you could say he said it all um, in the '60s and '70s. You know, with those with those westerns. And uh, you know, I was just thinking about how you know he Unforgiven. He had the script for years. If you know the story, he just waited until he was old enough. Hmm. It's like I got to be hmm. older to play this character. Wow. Because uh, I. <laughs> Anyway, that's it. That, but that's that's for another podcast. But yeah, I mean, I uh, I don't want to get too political, but uh, I think by '85, you've got a a sense in this country of people wanting to, you know, go back to old, you know, tradition and the good old days. And what better way to do it than uh, a yeah. western? I mean, you had a president who was a cowboy at the time, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And while I don't think there's a, uh, necessarily a political agenda to Silverado. Uh, I think it's, there is, again, this, this sense of, uh, you know, America's a John Cougar Mellencamp song (laughs) and, uh, you know, just having a good old fashioned Western. Yeah. That's that's definitely, that is definitely what it sets out for. Absolutely. It hits all those beats. And if you hadn't seen a million Westerns already before, yeah, it it might open you up to that genre. If you're a little kid in 1985, I could... Uh. I can see uh, Lawrence Kasdan succeeding in that goal, and you can tell that that is his goal for this movie. He says, okay, I want to do what I did for serials for in science fiction. I want to do that for the Western. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, the winds of the time, you know, just the prevailing winds were just not blowing in his direction with this, which is why it's a sort of forgotten classic, like you said at the beginning. So. Yeah. 
I did have the thought, though, like, this would be a good one to take your World War II veteran granddad to in 1985 or whatever. Hmm. Like, the, the, the movie would definitely have appealed to people who had, wa- who had loved John Wayne movies in the hmm. past. So just like Star Wars was a return to the serial and Flash Gordon, this was a return to the sort of classic cowboy movies that that generation used to watch. Yes, and it has all the elements of those classic cowboy movies, plus it has the the filmic quality of an 80s big-budget film and uh, a very sort of John Williams-esque score going on behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it has really a lot going for it. It... You know, uh, maybe if it had been Spielberg instead of Kasdan, I don't know, would it have relaunched the Western four years before or a couple of years before Unforgiven? I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. You know, one thing that comes to mind is, you know, I was mentioning all these, you know, more fantastic films, if you will, you know, sci-fi movies, Star Wars, of course, that definitely have, you know, influences and nods to Western movies, but they're set in space. They're set in the future. There's automatic weapons and helicopters, mm-hmm. and so it, it's kind of hard to take, yeah, say, you know, the, particularly the youth audience of the 80s, and say, hey, horses. Horse, <laughs> horse opera, not yeah. space opera. Yeah. Uh, single shot pistols. Um, yes, it's, it's it, I, I, you know, well, you know, I don't know, I was, I was, in my early 20s, I saw it. I, I loved it. It, it. As I said in yesterday's episode, it sort of, you know, ignited the possibility of Westerns to me. And I, I went on an absolute tear for the next three or four years uh, at video stores watching, you know, whatever good Western I could get into or, or I could find at the video store. So getting back to the minutes here, uh, I did want to kind of return to uh, the, the whole sequence about the saddle Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, you yeah. Know, the so. interesting sort of trope of, you know, way of identifying the, you know, oh, that's that's my horse. Check out the saddle. Uh, the thing, the question I had kind of from a story perspective was uh, what would have happened if Payton didn't have Cobb to vouch for him? Do you think that the uh, the cavalry guys would still believe him and just or maybe they thought that, oh, you know, he just saw, saw the name and he's pretending to be him? Hmm. Oh, Cobb, I think Cobb is his ticket. Yeah. Ticket out of out of jail there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I I feel like the sergeant. You know, he's definitely there as you know as a plot complication. Mm-hmm. But he also the way Sheb Woolley is playing him is he, like we want to get going. You know, the there probably probably would have been another ten minutes of uh, you know I think I think the horse would have finally like you know swayed him. Was, you know, <laughs> the horse would have turned and said, "Can't you see? I love this guy." Uh, so, Mr. Ed style, yeah. Or you know, um, you know, one one character who's not present here is Emmett, um, right? And you know, I mean, he's not here because we need to have Cobb here. But I think Emmett would have, you know, at some point come in and said, "Yeah, I rode with this guy, and you know, I, I found him almost mm-hmm. dead in the desert in in minute two. So, uh, I, I think it, I think it would have worked out eventually. Because again, I feel the sergeant. Uh, does not want to file a report or, you know, yeah. um, that's just, that's my take. He's also the only real authority in the, in the whole film. Like yeah. Everyone else is sort of just making it up as they go. He's the only one in the movie that actually has the authority of the government. 
He's he's yeah. the real and and you notice this is sort of the um, the sort of pre-play the place you go that's the most settled in the movie and then they get further and further out away from civilization mm. as the movie goes on so and then and then it's Brian Dennehy's town <laughs> and John Cleese's town eventually oh yes well no he's it's yeah. his town is the the more civilized place right he's mm. the more he, what does he say about, you know, my jurisdiction ends here today? <laughs> I thought that was good. Damn. That was really good. Yeah. What did you think yeah. about him being in this, Brett? Uh, you know, I I think I had read he was somewhere in the cast. and I, Oh, cool, John Cleese. Seems like in the early 80s, a lot of pythons were showing up in movies, and it was a lot of fun. But I had no idea, you know, this is... We're kind of stealing another uh, host thunder, but uh, you know, in a few minutes when when Cleese shows up, yeah, we were we were like rolling in our seats. <laughs> you know, it was he was then the fact that he's uh, kind of parodying a Python character. You know, what's all this then? Yeah, that's like <laughs> a line right out of yeah. Monty Python, right? Yeah, yeah. Though it's great that he decided to keep his British accent. I think that's what makes it even better mm-hmm. because it's like, that's the last thing that you expect in one of these sort of traditional cowboy movies. And it just, it makes it great. But all kinds of people ended up in the, in the West. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. English I mean, Bob. It is, it is a... that, yes. <laughs> from, from Unforgiven. The other yeah. one. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I liked, I liked Cleese in this a lot. And it did not occur to me until uh, this very episode. It's like, oh, yeah, Fish Called Wanda. Mm. We've worked together. So, you know, in a way, this is a prequel to A Fish Called Wanda. Yes. Mm. This is Otto invented a time machine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Because Back to the Future came out the same year as this. That's that's, that's true, too. (laughs) Well, since we were discussing the saddle, I, I have to throw in my, my quick research that I did on saddles. Oh, please. Did you, did you know that there are many parts to a saddle? Actually, uh, what I found out was more about an English saddle. I'm not sure if that this is considered that, but here are the parts of an English saddle. The pommel, gullet, stirrup bar, knee roll, flap, girth, skirt, or jockey, twist, seat, cantle, stirrup, or iron, and panels. Those all sound like euphemisms. I was about to say, is Probably this a not. speak easily episode? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> it also kind of sounded like you were, you were, um, re- like there was a dance craze in the 60s called the saddle, and you just went over all the steps pommel, stirrup, step back, knee seat, roll. cantle, knee roll. And uh, or you hear a very insistent voice over the record telling you to move to the next step, move to the next step. You know, that's what they were dancing at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. There you go. It's just a step to the left. Yes, exactly. Or in John, you know, in in John Waters' original Hairspray. Hey kids, let's do the saddle. (laughs) There's there's a line that comes up here. Now there's some great snappy dialogue Mm -hmm. throughout this movie, but we we have a just a great line coming up yes the dog right yeah where's the i mean the smile on his face and then klein's reaction and it's Mm -hmm. uh it's a it's a great foreshadowing if you will we don't know what that means but it obviously we see it means something to both of these characters Mm -hmm. right it's like the rosebud of the movie it's yeah. a bit of a rosebud, yeah. Wow. And there's n- a numerous instances of stuff like this. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting writing by Kasdan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, keeping the audience 
sort of guessing, and then yeah. hopefully it will be revealed at one point. Oh yeah, we 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 do. So what's the story with the dog? We want to mm-hmm. we want to ask Peyton. So what's up with this this big guy Cobb and the dog? And where is the dog? Yeah, uh, that line made me nervous. Aw. I was like, oh no, am I going to find out something terrible mm. about dogs? No. Well, a little bit. Well, <laughs> but not 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 as bad as I was thinking. Yeah. Um, uh, you guys know about does the dog die dot com? Ooh, no. So you can, if you're like me and you're very sensitive, you can look up movies ahead of time to find out if an animal dies in a, in a movie. Ah. Because sometimes that will stop me from watching a movie. Huh. Interesting. Okay, so it's... if you watch Terminator 2, you've got to watch the original cut and not the special edition. <laughs> then You know too much. <laughs> we, we, do a, we do a 90s show, Audra. I, I watch Terminator 2 every other day. So <laughs> I remember nothing. <laughs> and I'll, I'll just mention Terminator 2. He has that uh, lever action shotgun. Again, kind of a Western thing in a very modern movie. Hmm. Uh, but we'll save that for another time. But uh, anything else any, we, we want to add here as we, as we head to the finish here? No, good here. I'm good. I'm just glad to be on. Ah, oh, well, we're, we're, we're happy to have you. It's you good guys. to yeah. be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and once again, we urge you all to check out Retrophilia. It's a great podcast. And good luck to you guys on Retrophilia. Well, thank you. And can't wait for your next episode, in fact. Uh, <laughs> but meanwhile, uh, you can find the Silverado podcast over on Apple Podcasts and Google Play or, or on our main site at the SilveradoMinute.com. Social media is available at The Midnight Star, The Silverado Minute Listener's Saloon. Mmm, a good saloon. Saloon. Saloon over on Facebook <laughs> and on Twitter at Silverado MXM. So once again, thanks for having... Uh, wait, thanks for having us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having uh, us on the show. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank, thank you very you. much. Yeah. I appreciate uh, And thank you for being on our show. And uh, as for the rest of you out there, please join us next time on the Silverado Minutes. Yeah! Well, that was good. <laughs>